0: 2019 at Swap Pedro Show. Watch for Pedro show. I ain't in Pedro. I'm in Strong Beach. <laughs> no, actually, Signal Hill. Excuse yep, that's me. That's right. Yeah. Let's a little island inside. It. And, uh, you know, brother not, Matt's not with me, but Mike Maguetta, Stephen Hodges. Hello. Who, hey. Welcome aboard. I'm about to uh, sally forth with him on a adventure Thursday. Uh, but we're doing practice now. And, and, yeah, decided to have him aboard on Watch for Pedro show. We could... Uh, talk about musical journeys. Uh, we started the show off with John Coltrane's first recording. Uh, this is a na- na- it's called Navy, it's called Coco the Tune, but the, the band is the Navy Musicians' Jan Session in uh, Oahu, Hawaii, 13th July, 1946. And then uh, from the album Wall of Flowers, coming out on Big Ego, done that uh, not too far in North Long Beach here. Right. Uh, Chris Schlarb, hospital song, it Ketner what. Uh, and we'll get into that later, but let's start first with you, Mike. Mike, your earliest musical recollection.
1: Uh, my, well, it's got to be my dad playing guitar. My dad always played guitar. He had a wedding band, and I remember he would go out. He would be out on the weekend nights playing, and I would wake up the next morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, whatever, and I'd come out into the kitchen, and I remember seeing like the big amp and the guitar case. And I remember it kind of smelled like cigarettes because everybody was smoking inside. In face, so it kind of stank, right? But I, I learned to associate that smell, I guess, with that or something. But I would kind of smell it, and I would see it was there. And then I remember kind of like he would be about to pack it up or put it away or whatever, and I would ask him to play something for me. He'd, he'd take the guitar, he'd plug it in. And I don't even really remember what he would play, some Chet Atkins, Les Paul kind of stuff. But I remember like watching him play... And thinking, like, that was the coolest thing I'd ever see in my life. I have a great relationship with my parents. I love my dad. I love my mom. And I remember, like, thinking, like, I can't believe he's doing this, too. You know, it was so cool to me that I just, Mm -hmm. I wanted to emulate it in some way. So I didn't, but I didn't start with guitar, even though that's, you know, what I play now. Uh, when it came time to like pick up there,
0: there was there was one sitting around the house though, oh, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Like acoustic. Yeah, there was like an acoustic in the in the corner all the time, right? And then there was like the nice one he would sort of keep packed up. Yeah, but there was always one but Is there I, a piano? There was no piano, it was just it was just guitars. One or two guitars. It was not like they were everywhere. And I don't even I think maybe I like wasn't allowed to touch it when it was out, you know, like I couldn't just I would do you know, I'd touch the strings to hear it and like maybe worry I was gonna get in trouble, but it was yeah. never a big deal, you know. Um and but he never so,
0: pushed it on you or he's waiting for you to ask. He ne- no, he
1: never he never pushed it on me. They never pushed anything on me. Um, I, and what happened he taught me my first lessons but I remember bugging him. You asked it. him. Yeah, did I had, you ask I him, had to ask him.
0: I'm curious. Did you ask him how he got started?
1: I think I have at a point but I think it was just, you know, he liked he liked listen, you know, he liked the sound of it
0: so your grandpa was in a
1: guitar no yeah no there wasn't anyone else really we have like some distant relatives there's like a page in the family history folder I remember that's like some distant relatives in Italy played violin or guitar maybe or whatever but he just I think he liked Chet Atkins and he yeah Mandolin right yeah he liked Chet Atkins and he wanted to figure out how to do it Les Paul so he got himself a guitar and took lessons and for me though it was seeing him and hearing him and wanting to kind of probably just wanting to emulate him what about school
0: were you in the Choir or the marching band or shit like that.
1: Yeah. So and th- and actually this is interesting because now I realize how like totally fortunate this was. Like being older and seeing that a lot of towns and cities like now really don't have music stuff. Absolutely. No, a lot's happening. gone. And yeah, yeah totally. so my
0: flea set up that silver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He yeah, stuff Went that- back to Fairfax High where he learned trumpet. They had gotten rid of the probe.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Yeah. or you can do it if you have like a bunch of money now to to get. So I do
0: gigs for uh, for uh, Martin Wang with the music in Chinatown for Castellar Grade School. Mm. Yeah, they have to do benefits to get the money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It just used to be part of the the school Uh, education. Public school. I went to public school, right? So that's why I asked. Yeah, it was great. So I remember in fourth grade. Fourth grade, you could pick an instrument. Yeah, right. It it could be like violin or clarinet, and like maybe those are the only two that you could choose from. So I, I chose violin. I started on violin, probably because it was like most like guitar, kind of, not even thinking about it. Um, and I did that for four or five years. I don't, I don't think I got really good at violin, um, but I just played it. I wanted to make some noise, so I kept at it. And then in maybe seventh grade or something, you could pick a band instrument. And I remember I picked trombone. And I remember, I, and I remember, I picked that because I asked my dad, "What did you play in, in marching bands?" Like I played trombones, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna play trombone." You know what I hear
0: about why marching band wants to do bone? Why big mouthpiece when you're marching? Oh, it's much a easier. Sh- yeah, a French horn, trumpet yeah. is so
1: hard. Yeah, it wasn't. But a big, the big ass. Yeah, you. Can and you know the other good thing it. about bone? Bass clef. <laughs> <laughs> it's loud too, in a, in a great way. You know? yeah. Well, I can read bass left because of it. <laughs> okay, I, right. I, I, I can read, it. I'll read it on guitar. Yeah, I thought the other thing that was great about it though was intonation. You have to be. You have the to microphone. make sure you're in tune. Yeah, right. There's no other way to get in tune. It's not like
0: the Leo Fender Precision. <laughs> right. but you lack of Precision. What about the thing? After school with your buddies in the basement or the bedroom or the garage.
1: Yeah. So then what happened, and this, that actually totally happened. I remember I would be in school band, trombone at that point. I kind of let violin go. And then I remember at a certain point, I must have been, maybe I was 13 years old. That's when I was like, all right, this is fun, but let's get real. Everybody knows I really want to get at the guitar. So I, was, I would bug my dad. Like, he'd show me how to do something, anything, chords, whatever. And he would show me some chords and he would, and I remember he would say, okay, learn those three chords and then come back and I'll show you the next three, okay. something like that. So I would do, and I would just like shed those chords, try to memorize them, switch real fast. And then he would teach me like a song. Like copy off a record? Uh, no, he would just show it to me okay. with the other guitar. Because I
0: mean, D Boone, that's what was done. We were learn
1: That, happens, that happened <laughs> for me later. Once okay. I, once I kind of realized that I could do that, you know, because at first I was just like, well, I'll go to my dad and get the next song. So he would show it to me on his guitar. I'd match the fingers, right? Um, and I, it was like you know Chet Atkins, Les Paul tune. It was like that. To What's your style. first guitar? Wildwood Flower, maybe. Uh, the first guitar I was playing was an old Yamaha classical guitar that was one of my dad's, which I still have. Uh, so, nylon string, nylon string, not super easy to play. Yeah. but but also he was really gracious because. Once I could kind of get around on that and he yeah. saw that I would, I wasn't like banging it around. I was respecting the guitar. He would let me play as Les Paul. Okay. So then I got to play that and I was like, Oh, this is an amp. so easy through an amp. Oh, there's volume. Right. <laughs> and then I would, and then I was thinking like, Oh, this kind of sounds like some stuff I like to listen to on my own. And so I would start to put on records, you know, Nirvana, okay. maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, violent films. Yeah. Right. And I would listen to that and I would try to figure out those tunes you know, power chord. I learned the power chord. That was that was a big opening thing. Like, oh man! And then I found other kids at school that like kid played the drums, kid played yeah. keyboard. Yeah. Somebody wanted to sing, right? Oh, let's try this tune. I learned this song. And then from then on out, it was just learning songs, practicing a lot. I got to play guitar in the school jazz band. I was still playing trombone. This is in Agawam, Massachusetts. Um, and the teachers were great. There was a music theory class in my high school. Wow. That was crazy. Like 11th grade, I got to t- learn about intervals and triads and all this stuff. Yeah. And I felt like that. I was, I was like, wow, I can't believe we all get to do this. And now I realize, like, man, almost nobody got to do that yeah. in high school. You know? I know. So it was really a good situation. Especially,
0: I, I want to play uh, you, your version with Jim Keltner doing Blue Velvet.
1: Yeah.
2: Thank mm-hmm.
0: Pedro show, yeah. We heard uh, Bagetta, Keltner, and Watt doing Blue Velvet, but it was a duet. I wasn't really playing on that one. So, but I'm on the name of the song. <laughs> you're, you're there in spirit. <laughs> then we, me and Hodge here uh, helping out Chris Murphy, not too far from here. It used to be a, a foundation of a nightclub that <laughs> we played on, and uh, tune that Chris wrote called Blues for Bukowski, probably for right. Mr. Charles yeah. Bukowski, mm-hmm. and he played violin and. Uh, I don't think we recorded together.
3: I was didn't. in a little apartment yeah.
0: up in Hollywood sweating right. it out when I put it on my part. And uh, after that, we had the Still House Plants from Glasgow doing Left Break, Awkward with Anti. That's uh, Devin Huff, stand-up bass from Nils Klein Sangers, okay. with Kay, Kara Rossler. And in a way, I think maybe it's better in dose because the string bass with an electric bass is way more contrast, like what Herbie Flowers did with yeah, that Walk on the nice. Wilds. Yeah, when with me and Kate, yeah, even though yeah. we did thirty years, I mean, uh, the two bases are kind of close. Yeah, we had to really do composition, make holes for each other. Yeah, because you're almost like such a. <laughs> Yeah, I got this band. We both play kick drum. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, come on. A lot of (laughs) options (laughs) there.
1: I use calfskin. Okay, yeah, calfskin. Then we had
0: Guided by Voices, Bob Pollard with his 102nd album. Oh, jeez. (laughs) I know. Your lights are out. Now, Lorne, record of uh, rarities, contrast, graph from the Netherlands with titles, or what do you call that? Eponymous. And the name of the thing is the same name as you? Eponymous. Epony- Eponymous. And then Wall of Flowers, the title song from Baguette, Count, and White album. Big. you know, thank you, Chris Lard. In fact, Chris Lobb's going out with us, people. Now, uh, here's the stick man, part of. Uh, <laughs> <that's you. laughs> um, hold on. <laughs> Can't talk your way out of it. That's a lesson, kids. Okay, Steve Hodges here. Uh, this is, in a way, Mike, Kevin, uh, Steve Board is really righteous because it's been like 20 years since we've been playing. Steve right. Hodges, people, is the drummer man for my first o- uh, opera, Cotton Plate in the Injury along with Nails Klein. And so uh, Mike Paget has reunited us and we're playing. Although we did do that thing with St- uh, Chris Murphy. How long was that? Ten?
3: That was, that was at least ten years ago, oh, yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What about your earliest
0: music well,
3: I came from the family where the children took dance lessons and piano lessons that was my Was my, it Long Beach? Yeah, my mother's era, my grandmother's era, all of my cousins had gone through the same thing. So I got associated with it. My mom played the piano a little bit and
0: so there's one in the house.
3: Yeah, we had a piano and um so that was that was the earliest association of with me actually making sound and making music and um you know, I was I really didn't, you know, you don't, you don't really see the bigger picture in that situation. Sure. You're sort of um, just feeling your way through it, and it was, it was, it was beautiful. But somehow, um, I just wanted to go play with my friends and uh, not practice so much. So, uh-huh. unfortunately, the piano lessons kind of went away. Ah, so your mom yeah. had to do, yeah.
0: Not you know, I've had a lot of people on the show with the piano lesson yeah. thing, yeah, and it's it. it covers a whole gamut. Yeah, yeah. Some people, it was the greatest thing. It's helping them write songs yeah. now. Other people almost got out of music 100% yeah. because it's such a nightmare. Yeah. And it seems, when I listen to all these stories, it depended on the teacher.
3: Right. You know? Yeah. So
0: they were assholes. It really turned yeah. people off. But there was other people who could coax it in and right. bring it just, and make it an asset. Yeah. So was that the first instrument that you tried? Was it piano? was. Okay.
3: Yeah. And yeah. what was
0: your experience?
3: Well, you know... I liked it. I mean, it was okay. I liked it, but I don't think I had the teacher that was the bigger picture to help me kind of bridge into music that would have spoken to me more. You know, I was reading music and what have you, and that that was all fine. But, um, yeah, I don't think it really spoke to me in a way that it could just stick. I mean, I still play the piano. I love the piano. So it's not a not a problem. But say in fourth grade, you could pick an instrument. So yeah. I what picked, about school? I picked you... drums. And oh really? Yeah. They just they. No, like, it was not a rock
0: and roll class, no, no, right? No, no,
3: no. Was it was band? It yeah. was a man came around once a week, and you had your practice pad. And then I guess once a week, a lady came around, and you played with the orchestra. You know? And you were
0: reading music, right? Yeah, you were yeah,
3: yeah you're boom tap, boom tap, and what have you. But yeah. And then junior high comes around and you get to play every day. And I'm just like yeah. I would have never made it through school without music yeah, class. Yeah, I mean yeah. I mean I was not attracted yeah. to the other show. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. So um, went through went through junior high, played a lot of timpani then in all city orchestra. That was a blessing there for sure. And uh, Wait, why'd you pick the drums?
1: Just because it <coughs> obviously fun. A friend, looks
3: fun. a friend of the family, played drums, and I thought he was really cool. And he had a band, and we heard them play. Did
1: he let you
0: on
3: the kit? Yeah, he let me play a little bit, and I just thought, hey, was that the
0: first time you were on a kit?
3: I think it was actually just about. Yeah, I mean, the, I got my drum set, you know, with the paper route. Yeah, right? yeah. And my parents, would, would match me right if I if if I. You know, if the drum is 200 and I bought, I get 100, then they give 100. So I get a bass drum to go with the snare drum. And then sooner or later, I get a cymbal, you know. The matching, so we kind of matching built, pledge.
1: built it up little by little. But, um, so for a while, you have one drum, and you would just play on that. Yeah, yeah. Save up That's what people drum. did. That's you know, awesome. a lot yeah. of times, you just played the practice <laughs> pad for,
3: you know. Or what John Boone,
0: T Boone's yeah. little brother, did was... Put the paperback book on the snare, and that's the kick drum. <laughs> right. And then the little metal thing that holds the TV, that's the symbol.
3: Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding. Hey, it all could be all, loud anyway. It's a hard game, you know. I mean, you know, they've all been used. So, when
0: and, it, so you built your drum set one piece. And where yeah. were you, you pracking it? In the bedroom?
3: Yeah, yeah. And it was they cool were, with them? It was all, yeah, okay. they were lucky that way. You
0: know. <laughs> now, did you do the shit with the after school with the basement or garage or bedroom band?
3: Um, You know, that kind of came later. I was, I guess, uh, being in a rock and roll band was like, they kind of shelved me off as the percussionist somehow, you know, the orchestra guy. Yeah. And and so um, I wasn't really finding favor with the rock and roll people quite yet. And I gave it a shot here and there, but... um, Going to some other environment and playing, you know, acoustically was so strange and odd. You know, I wasn't comfortable with all that actually yet. So Mm -hmm. it was it was odd because I had friends who their dad bought them a drum set and they could play and sing the next day. You know, so I just wasn't that guy. That's all. But um, yeah. um,
0: Well, when did you start joining bands?
3: Well, um, after school, college. No, I guess I guess it was I guess it was high school that okay. we started we started putting together jazz group and then um, led into you know horn bands and what have you and and then I was I was getting more loosened up anyway you know is so, that school so. or uh, after school after school after school stuff because school had orchestra yeah. it had stage band march and uh, marching yeah.
1: Which was, a, was very cool as so,
0: cool. Some bands, uh, schools had jazz bands.
1: Yeah. Like you said, you were playing guitar. Yeah, we had a jazz band. We Man, my school also did this thing. It was called like a Top 40 show twice oh, a year. Wow. So like kids would, you'd have to audition to sing like your favorite pop tune. Sure. And then they'd put a backing band together, like a studio band. So we'd have to, so I'd get to do that and i have to learn like 30 tunes. Whoa, that's... Yeah, there was like a really... That's like a So really, not like a
0: talent show, more like a review. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they had a lot of stuff.
0: That's why you got to bring it back. Have schools do music again.
3: Well, luckily Long Beach has these magnet programs to where they really amplify. They still kind of amplify the whole music thing. They get the the, the best kids because everybody busses to whatever school yeah. has what they like the most right. these days. It isn't about where eth- you live, ethnic, or whatever. It's just about where you, what do you want to study. Mm. And so so luckily Long Beach still has music in the, in the school. Um but yeah, it would it's horrible to take that stuff away. It's awful.
0: Yeah. wouldn't well, so you you start making horn bands outside
3: of school. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do gigs? Um yeah, by the time by the time we we're in high school, we started playing like Army, Navy bases, and you know Air Force, March Air Force Base, the Officers Club, or whatever. Yeah, little by little, okay. a gig here, here or there. Yeah, I really didn't start gigging until Kai, my first child, was born, um, mid seventies, and you could play uh, five nights a week for months on end at certain bars. You just leave your gear there. Really? This is unheard of. Like a house. You were the house band. And everybody was fine with that. You didn't have to change. They didn't have to have some other band. They liked, you know, they got used to you.
0: And how long would you play?
3: you could play all night. Play four hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And a lot of original material? No, No, a lot of covers. No, no, want People want to know what they did. Yeah,
3: they wanted their Van Morrison and their Stevie Wonder and what have you. Yeah. But it was pretty good, yeah. I guess, I guess the major thing for me was that um, once I got to college, I started working in the theater arts department. And so I was accompanying all manner of dance classes, whether it was ballet or African or jazz or modern. Mm-hmm. And then I was...
0: What about tap?
3: Yeah. I tap drag. actually did. That was okay. noisy and kind of a drag, actually. <laughs> but I did a little bit of that, too. But they worked out actually better just with the records, Okay. Um, but um but my first experience on stage uh seeing the lights on the back wall and what have you was just kind of mind blowing how how altering or how what an amazing environment that that could create and so that was that was it was kind of a turnaround for me as far as okay I'd already been always kind of been a percussionist I was really excelling at the drum set finally but here I am in theater, you know, and all these other options of of what that that means. It isn't it isn't rock and roll. It is it's it's about people sitting down, listening quietly, and so you have this whole other Company areas it. that you can go into musically. And um, so I I think that's you know I'm not the only drummer on the block who's accompanied dance classes. I'll grant you that, but that was a kind of a major turn for me as far as was kind of what I was about, sure. part of what I was about. So sure, I got sure. to kind of flourish in that great, regard, great. I guess. Yeah.
0: Right there, the first hour, March 19th, 2019, it just Watt for Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour two. March 19th, 2019, it's the second hour of the Watford for Pedro Show. Live from Pedro show, we started the second hour off with uh, Mike Pagetta doing Ornette uh, Coleman composition "War, war Orphans." And when that I've been enlightened to the fact Ornette never recorded himself, so it just remained a, car- a dream in the caravan until uh, yeah, other people fished it out, like Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The details from Romania after that with Romanians for sale. It sounds like a happy tune. Rick Holstrom, Jeff Termis, and Stephen Hodges—the Rick Holstrom Trio, right? Yeah, yeah. Which are, is, is back, backing up, Mavis a staple for, Mavis for, for what ten, twelve, yeah, 12, twelve years. years. Yeah, twelve years, too. twelve years. And I had Rick Holstrom on the show. Great cat yeah. from Alaska originally, right? Yes. And a tune called a uh, uh, Desconsul. So, yeah, what was that about? That's a, that's an album you guys did, right?
3: Yeah. Um, I forget. The name. Well, how did you
0: get in with the, these
3: guys? Well, that that's this is like the blues connect, connection here with these two guys. Ah,
0: we should talk about that. So you come from a the theater dancing right. in the mid 70s right. and then there's a blues connection.
3: Right. Okay, so here I am working, you know, 5 nights a week either in Long Beach or down at the Red Onion in Newport Beach. Um Oh, see. Yeah, exactly. With this guy Greg Carroll. Um And then this man named James Harmon comes into my life and, um, he's got an idea for blues, but with a little different twist. And so my, my, uh, my good buddy, David Jeriki and I, who's, David's a guitarist. May he rest in peace. Um, fabulous guitarist. He and I start this James Harmon band, um, in the, er, in the latest 1979, early eighties. And, um. These guys are hardcore about the blues. You know, they want you Students. to study. You know, the simplicity and the feel and uh, the history. And so you don't, you don't just get this knowledge any old place. You know, you kind of have to go to these guys who are into it. And so it turned out that that was like my next resource for for income, as far as you know, making money playing music, as well as. Just gaining more knowledge, and it turns out that that's where Tom Waits met me. Was playing up in L.A. Probably eighty in eighty one. Because he's, hanging, so, out at the he's hanging out at the Troubadour. He's hanging out at Madame Wong's. Hanging out at Cafe de Grand. All these little places where you, you you end up going there sooner or later, somewhere you know during the, the year. Um, so. So so okay so we're studying blues we, you know it's it's primal it's a beautiful form and what have you and uh, Jeff Termus is is coming around the band with his saxophone sitting in with this other guy Lawrence Little Hat White they're like they're like becoming kind of our horn section then all of a sudden we need a bass player Jeff also plays bass so I'm beginning beginning to know Jeff Termas on the bass as a rhythm section guy. Rick Holmstrom is like the younger one than us. He's probably ten or fifteen years. He sneaks in to hear James Harmon when he's 20 20 years old or something, you know. But you know, time passes. It's it's you know. There's a you end up knowing certain bands, certain blues bands. You you know them. just there's associations. So he ends up with Rod Piazza close affiliation with James Harmon and all these West Coast guys. So, basically, I'm knowing these guys for a long, long, long time. And um, we play together. We just happen to be opening for Mavis on the pier in Thursday night's summer series. And her band doesn't show up. And basically, long story short, as we end up backing up Mavis for like half a set, once the band finally shows up, we just put them on our gear and then they finish the show. But that's really when Mavis was already kind of thinking about, I need a new band. Wow. And so um, so that's kind of how.
0: There's a little Rykooter yeah, connect though.
3: Yeah, Oh, definitely a big because, because because he heard us, he was there that night we was like, who's this sort of scraggly looking guy hanging out on the side of the stage? You know, sort of standing on the on the stairs, the side of the stage. Turns out it's Rye Cooter. He's been watching us the whole time, you know. And so, um, yeah, we were playing, you know, opening. We did our forty minutes. They keep keep playing, keep playing. Hour and a half goes by, and we finally go, okay, we're we're gonna stop. What's going on? We get we go downstairs off the stage, into the tent, we meet Mavis, she's like the coolest woman on the planet, and then we start, you know, we go back and play for her, we find out, found out what was going on, and um, you know, it didn't didn't come, it didn't come just automatically, Uh, but when I left the stage, I made sure to say, thank you to Mavis, and she says, make sure my manager has your phone number, so you could kind of tell, things were going on and Rye says you know I like that other band way better than your band Mavis <laughs> well they were jazz you know, fusion they you were know, ja- they, they,
0: they, they you they, know Rye Cooter
3: that's great
0: his son is playing drums right yes jo- Joaquin
3: Joaquin yeah for who he, I, the Hayden Triplets. Oh, was he? Okay, oh, yeah. We we're just talking yeah. about that. Look at that. Petra. Yeah. Rachel. Yeah, okay. yeah well, that's incestuous, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, also, I think a lot of coincidence, too.
3: Well, yeah. And also... magnetic fields. Pro- proximity and yeah. what have you. But, you know, the, the styles. Yeah, the I want to play... Uh, okay.
0: Uh, well, the other songs, that's great, Hodge. Yeah, yeah. Giving people's story awesome. on that. Then December 10th from Chris Chappelle's Distortion Pedal. Best band name ever. Right. <laughs> And and then feel specters. No, that's even better. Not feel specters. (laughs) Like power went off in the bathhouse. Uh Is that you? It don't matter. Uh, uh, Mana. And then finally, breads and rivers from.
3: (laughs) That's not yours. Stop touching it.
0: Kelly. And what? Uh, Let's play something from you, Mike. It's called I.
4: church choir in the square on the hill the old stone stairs women picking ancient leaves frost sticking to ancient trees band playing in the hall ancient songs Slowly gathering, pray the wind blows southerly, walk the narrow cobblestone streets, someone's army sank in defeat, drunkard with a tinfoil hat, port windows dull and cracked, seagulls cross through Dover cliffs, graveyard vistas in the midst. last. Pray for that Bonnie breeze. Bring my lover back to me.
0: Pedro Show you just heard hospital song the intro it's actually in two parts actually you you can hear it for yourself because we're doing 10 gigs (laughs) check com. it starts Thursday in Strong Beach at Fingerprints and then uh, before that was Spain which is Josh Hayden Mm. Charlie's son doing uh, Folkestone Kent Folkestone is where you take the channel you don't want to take the ferry to the continent okay it's like 45 minutes, you're there. Fucking bitching. Uh, ahead of that was Angelo Paralamente.
3: Ah, It's a pink room. Paralamente.
0: Yeah. Paralamente. And Maggot Brain, before that, which is a funkadelic song, uh, Niels Klein uh, interpreting Eddie Hazel, which it was a trip, Eddie Hazel, George Clinton told Eddie Hazel, your mom died. Play me a solo. And then he turned down all the for the mix, turns all the instruments off. Yeah. Talk about a device. (laughs) I heard like there's some directors did shit like that. Have the tell the kids real sad things so they'll cry for real on the camera. Sharp just
1: told me that story. There's a producer who told his kids, his mom wrote wrote on the wall, your mom's dead, recorded the crying, and then clued him in.
0: Is that the kids on Berlin? Yeah. Okay. That song is so (laughs) fucking heavy. (laughs) Oh, God, the kids, the bed. Sad song. Oh, my God. And Jack Bruce is on all, two tunes he's not on. I remember when that came out, everyone hated it. I love that record. But it is heavy.
1: For sure. Fucking
0: whew. Berlin, people. Uh,
1: it's the set, uh, third Lou Reed solo album.
0: And then we start off with I. Uh, Mike, tell us about that.
1: I. Oh, yeah, that's the first record I ever made. It's a record of solo prepared guitar Kind of, I call them etudes, but they're sort of composed, sort of improvised. Um, and this is actually this is interesting because this is my first thing I ever recorded, and it's like so. Where'd you do it? Crazy. I did it in a. Um, I was living in in Western Massachusetts. I moved back there. I was in New Jersey for a couple years for a bunch of years in school, and then I moved back to Western Massachusetts. And I was teaching lessons at a place called Art Space up in Greenfield, Massachusetts, near Vermont. And they used to be in this old, I think it must have been an old church, because there were these huge stained glass windows, and it was like a really big old building. And they gave me, uh, I had just started teaching there, and for whatever reason, they gave me a key to the building. I never needed it, but I would just go in there late at night when I wanted to like make some noise and stuff, because I was living in an apartment. So I'd go in there with an amp or whatever, and just like practice and volume and everything. But so I was working on these ideas and I was like, oh, maybe I could record it there. So I had like a, you know, I had a mini disc recorder and then I had like the stereo Sony mic you'd get with it. And it was like the whole thing was like 99 bucks or whatever. And I set it up in the middle of the room. I had most of the lights off and I had this like really kind of um, sort of trashy kind of plasticky guitar. And I had rigged up all these different rubber bands and mutes and pins and stuff on it. However, I wanted to deal with it. And I recorded these different ideas. I think it was like 15 or 20 different ideas. And then I kind of went back and I listened to it. So it's just acoustic. It's a, it's a kind of a crappy electric guitar recorded acoustically, just in this big space with a mini disc mic. That's the record, Wow. you know, and I just worked on all these ideas that were like anti sort of music school ideas because I, <laughs> I went to school for music Sure, sure. and it was great. And I learned a lot of stuff, but I, you know, I wasn't convinced that music had to just be one way. Or, you know, like I always, I discovered through a lot of different avenues that I like all kinds of music. There's got to be a way I can combine all these different things. It can't be so rigid. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of reapproached that by sort of trying to obliterate all the music school things I'd learned in a way. Like, let's yeah, they call it. you a reactionary. You reacted against. Yeah,
0: maybe. I don't know. When, uh, before Mandy uh we had a band and he said, let's call it Reactionaries. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I said, why? He said, because um, Zay Dung says all Reactionaries are paper tigers. I, said, Dang. I didn't really know what that meant. I said, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're at the end of the second hour. It's March 19, 2019 edition, mod- edition of the Wapito Show. Hold tight for hour three. March 19, 2019, it's the third hour of the Watford
3: Pedro Show. So long. In my house in North London and practice transcendental meditation. It involves thinking about a personal mantra to clear your subconscious. I drink hot water and lemon, then have porridge for breakfast with almond milk and honey. I've got a sweet tooth. 11 a.m. pre-New York shopping in
2: Marlabin High Street.
3: I buy Tabitha Simmons ballet flats and a jacket from Matches.
0: Watched the Pedro Show. Started off the third hour with I Am Not a Data Point. Biggerda Keltner-Watt from the new album, Walls of Flowers. No, Wall of Flowers. Walls of Flower. Sounds like a Same biscuit time. biscuit Same commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Bonsai Universe, after that's with summertime. I know it ain't summertime. It's just turning spring. But uh, this is Buddy, Woody Oppenop, Buddy of uh, Nels Klein. Mm-hmm. So I thought you'd appreciate it. And then uh, National Debt, obscured by cows. That's Crane from the tragic comedy from The Hill, but now living in Idaho. You to Pimp. Oh, Crushed by Pimps from South London with Margot Goes Boho. And finally, uh, from my first offer, No One Says Old oh, Man to the Old Man, which we want to tackle for this tour. Uh, Mike, let, 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 let's talk about walls. Well, walls of flower.
3: Yeah,
2: Wall I, of flower. Whatever you want. Wall to of it. flowers. Shit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wall of flowers. flowers that's it nailed it
0: because I got a call from Chris Schlarb about a year and a half ago right
1: I guess yeah
0: or a little more than maybe, a year ago maybe almost will you years. come down and play with Mike Begett Jim Keltner yes he said yes I'm scared shitless but I will try it but yeah thank you there must have been a backstory
1: uh um, for that maybe. there was yeah so uh, let's see um, yeah, well, so I've known Chris for a while. We've been buddies for a while and he, you know, he ended up getting a studio together and he had an idea to start a record label. And so he asked me if I'd want to do a record with him for him, for his label. And I said, yeah, sure. And I had had a conversation before that with a, a friend, a mentor, a great guitarist, composer, a friend of mine named David Torn. And he was talking about his first album, uh, Cloud About Mercury which is like another one of my like touchstone records, you know, and I, that, that music on that album sounded so amazing and tight. I just sort of always assumed it was like this band. They knew each other, uh, you know, Bill Bruford's on it. Uh, um, Tony Levin's on it, Mark Isham's on it. And I just figured they knew each other, but it turns out from talking to David, basically he cold called most of those guys. He didn't know Bruford, but he wanted somebody to play melodic drums or whatever. So he wrote him a letter, he said yes and all that. So anyways, to me it was like blowing my mind that he didn't know these guys, that you could go into a studio with maybe people you don't know and if you have an idea, make music that sounds like people have been playing together their whole life. So all my bands or all my albums I've made with bands has been more or less people I've gotten to know first, people I've become kind of friends with and then we make a record. So I had been thinking about this idea like, wow, wouldn't it be... I don't know if I could even do that, like make a record with people I don't know. It seems so different than the way I think about music. And so Schlarb asked me about this and he goes kind of like, well, who would you want to do it with? And in that moment, just in the top of my mind, I was thinking like, well, some of this stuff I've been writing, I, I really want these like really deep grooves, but I want it to be kind of snaky and kind of weird and off kilter. And just in that moment the first people I thought of were you and Jim Keltner for bass and drums, the people who embodied that quality to me in that moment, in that way, like deep, weird, kind of off-kilter groups. And I just sort of said it, and then we kind of laughed, like as a joke of something that would never, ever happen, <laughs> you know. I think he was even like, oh, yeah, that's great. When you get serious about it, let me know, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> so like a year went by, and we kind of kept joking about it. And then we started to kind of joke less about it, and then I think another six months went by, and then, and then we were like, well, can, can we actually, wait, can we actually do this maybe? And, uh, and then he kind of put the pieces together and called you guys, and we figured out a date and I, that I could come out here and that everybody was around, and that's that. Wow, amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Now, Mr. Keller's older gentleman, so when it came time for tour... He was asked, but had to bow. yeah, I think
1: he just you know he just doesn't travel anymore he he uh That's what he's Chris always he's always had nothing but great things to say about the experience and the music and and uh it was it was really cool and in fact, so what happened then is I thought I thought maybe when the record come out, we would do like one gig out here like i could talk I could talk him into doing it, and I'd fly out and we'd do one show. And, uh, but I've never done that. I've always had a tour around a record where it just seems like the right thing to do. And I think I had mentioned this to you over email or something. Yeah. And you were like, well, we should do it anyways. So we just think about another drummer. Yeah. And then immediately I was like, oh man, do you think, kind of keeping the theme of like people I've never met, I was like, wow, do you, think, do you think Hodges would do it? And you gave me his info. You were like, I don't know, ask him. So I go, okay, I'll ask right. I thought it would be good. So I asked him, and here we are. Here yeah. we are. <laughs> That's great. all it takes. You Hallelujah. You, yeah. try, you ask and then Seeking you shall find. No, here's
0: here's one of these tunes that you did with friends that you knew, right? Uh, passage with um, Jerome Harris, Billy Mintz.
4: and the of cinnamon and some
1: So it's so stereotyped.
0: What about this Passage? How did this happen?
1: Um, okay, yeah, so that's from Spectre. Um, and that is a, that's a written tune. That's a composed piece. But there's no... I remember telling Jerome and Billy there's no specific time feel to it. So yeah. it's, it's kind of... There's a groove. There's a meter. Or there's a rhythm feel, but there's no meter. So when you listen to it, you kind of feel like, or you actually would start kind of tapping your foot or feeling a pulse, but you can't count it. And that's how this whole idea of sort of playing free, but getting into these indiscernible grooves that still lock in kind of came about with me, you know, and that was sort of the next thing I wanted to get into is more of that idea.
0: So like flux, like, yeah, change. Yeah.
1: But it's still together, right? Who's that guy? They came up with a good portion yeah, of, because of playing for that,
0: too. All, that's always the trippy the dilemma, right? It goes back to that guy, uh, Herclides. Her, Her,
1: Her, Her, Heraclitus?
0: Herkl- that's it. Everything is changed, but if you change too much, maybe it loses its identity. Yeah. The dilemma.
3: Yeah.
0: But how else could it be? I think his big quote is, you could never stand two times in the same river.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, because if you put the river, the water's washed by. There's new water.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: But but it is, I mean, music is the the arena, the ring. You can get and wrestle these kind of dilemmas or paradox. Yeah, that's how he wrote even, it was in paradox. Totally. And uh, so, yeah, you want it both ways.
1: Right. But he also right. he
0: also had an uh, an allegory that was interesting too. The bow, for the bow to work, you have to have attention.
1: Mm-hmm. And he also said the liar. Yeah, he gave that. We're talking 500 BC. Yeah, you can't have a release if you don't have tension. Yeah, like, right. You can't have you can't have hate if you don't have love. He also talks about a
0: barley drink that's made with fucking milk. It'll curdle if you don't keep stirring it. It's oh. got to be moving. <laughs>
2: wow.
0: And uh, no, but I think this is what you're getting at: this idea somehow things are locking, but they're not all fucking to yeah. track homes. Yeah, and,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah like the stuff we've been working on. all Oh, week, absolutely. Right? I mean,
3: even on you know several other of tracks off of Wall of Flowers, you know, it's like Jim Keltner's not necessarily playing time, and it doesn't even sound exactly like he's playing with everybody else, but the parallel universe of it all is that he's playing some music and everybody else is playing some music and the sum total, it sounds yeah. like it's together. Right. It's just not together, like lockstep, like locked in, you know, like a soul record or something. Yeah. You know, is it's a juxtaposition. It's juxtaposition. But think it's, about like, yeah. just
1: you know, like you walk down the street, there's other people walking down the street. Yeah, you're you're with them in a way. You're yeah. not with them. Yeah, yeah. It's right? all part of the same. But song. yeah, right. Everybody's yeah. there. It's the same river rhythm. No metric. Different things together, not together. Ornette had a what record you know? called "Is It Dance in the Head?" Or who's that? Ornette. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And I think there's two Dance versions in your head. of it. Yeah, in your head, something like that. Yeah, and there's two versions of it's the, the song. Re- it's the same record twice, right? It's the same song twice. Yeah. And then there's
0: another <laughs> song. I think there's two songs,
1: and It sounds like the dudes are
3: playing different songs at the same time. Like two radio stations, yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's... bad. He does have the tag on it. I mean, there's things he's rallying around. You know, we come from traditions, but we're also trying to make the new way, find the new paths. Yeah. It's it's always going to be kind of this kind of tension like this.
1: For sure.
2: Yeah, because
1: everybody's different. If you want to think about, like, how do I make what I want to make? Yeah. You know, you have to try to make it. Nobody yeah. else is going to make it. You can't be totally satisfied with someone else's But location. like Raymond,
0: Raymond's there. But he has done some collaborations, but mostly he's man alone with this ink, right? Yeah. Here, we're trying to do it by committee.
1: Right. But that's nice because yeah, yeah. that's human, right? Doing sure. it together.
0: Well, man alone's human too, but it's not the whole <laughs> picture.
1: Well, we have you each other. You can't survive
0: like To that. feed off of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about it, like Newton going into the cave to Right, for two years to invent calculus, I mean Jesus maybe it takes man alone, but and sometimes maybe it's a little difficult to dream by committee
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure, yeah, there's something for each each of those, but but I mean you know like for music, like for yeah. me i I have a, I'm able to do things and come up with a plan, and then I got to find people that want to try to make Aiden it, a bet. you know, yeah, sure. Yeah conspirators
0: <laughs> Co, Co-conspirators. Co-conspirators. Man, it's been great to have both of you on the show, and it's even greater to have an opportunity to tour these 10 gigs. People, uh, go to com to get the list yeah, of the gigs. all
1: over the United States. That's
0: M-I-K-E-B-A-G-G-E-T-T-A.com. Nailed it. Uh, please uh, check it out and uh, make yourself available, and uh, we'll work our fucking brains out for you. Okay.
3: Thank you, Watt. Yeah, no. Thank problem. you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Thank you, thank
1: you. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's uh March nineteenth two thousand nineteen. 2019. This is what for Pedro Show. Keep your powder right.